Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? Welcome to Waypoint Radio, episode 167. It is hot out, and I forgot how to do the intro to this podcast a second ago. <laughs> so Patrick and I are laughing. Uh, it is June, nope, July 2nd, uh, 2018. You're allowed to think it was still June. I mean... Yeah, I'm in the window. I'm in the window. It's a Monday after the weekend where the date... You a full week. You you especially, week. especially when the transition happens on a weekend, I feel yes. like you get an, an extra amount of time... Yes. Uh, to to the it's weird that uh the, w- there used to be so much anxiety over signing checks and I would, would mess up the year for, but I haven't signed a check oh yeah this is the last time I signed a check oh I used to fuck up dates on checks all the time actually fuck. I I so I stopped signing checks for a long ass time and then I've gotten back into checking because uh not everyone has like a uh, square app when they come to like do your plumbing. <laughs> sure. You know what? Sure. Fair. And I'm not trying to like take out $250 of cash and right. just have it around sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Fair. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, it is just me and Patrick today because it is a holiday week. We mentioned this on a stream last week, uh, but this week is going to be a little wild in terms of who's available. Uh, me and Patrick will be around for the next couple of days, and then uh, Danielle and Rob will be back for the latter half, and Kato is around too to do some tweeting, obviously, right now. Um, Natalie will be around on and off all week, but it's going to be kind of a quiet week for us this week uh, as we got the thing that's cool but also kind of weird in the world of media where we got a last-minute email from our bosses that were like, oh yeah, mo- y'all have Monday off too. Like, we already had Tuesday, Wednesday, now we have Monday also, which is today, the day you're hearing this. And so me and Patrick's like, well, let's just slide that to another day. I'm going to kind of take days off throughout the week and just kind of be relaxed anyway. Um, so we're, we're just expect a little bit less from us, but not, but not nothing. Still we got stuff. some good stuff coming. Yeah, we still got, got some good stuff oh, coming. You streamed a, vampi- a vampire review to finish. I got vampire, right? Hollow Knight this, that? this weekend. Or, Yo, uh, Hollow Knight's this good. It's a very good game. I, it's finally, so I started playing it last year on PC very briefly and I got yep. to like through the first boss and I was like, this you is good. Me, I'm going to wait for, I'm going to wait for Switch. Yep. I'm going to wait for Switch. And that was the right call because now I'm playing it in bed. I'm playing it on TV. I'm playing it on the subway. And that is like. It very much uh, it, it fits within like twenty minute spurts of yeah, like one hundred percent. There's some, there's always some sort of uh, micro or macro thing you can be accomplishing even if yes. you're not necessarily like fighting a boss or uh, yeah, any sort of like major task. You're just mapping stuff out. You're just dipping a little bit deeper into the dungeon. You're you're finding a new NPC. You're finding a new be- a rest uh, bench to sit at and and kind of like making little bits of progress. Um, how far in are you? Uh, so I just recently, 
So the game doesn't gate in a way that it makes it difficult to talk about. Maybe this is something that will make more sense, like, as you and I get as further. As yeah. But it's not, like, it's not like, oh, like, I made it to the ice world. And it's like, oh, okay, that means you've done X, Y, and Z. And, like, well, yes, there is that kind of progression. Yeah, there's but it's, some of it, right? Uh, it, it, but it's, like, sort of difficult to, like, I'll say uh, the most recent boss that I fought was, uh, well, that wasn't a boss because that was a secret room I found. Um, but I, I, I fought the, the, the needle. Is that or like the the, the wasp the the, the, wasp. the the hornet 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 it was like, her okay. name's hornet right Ant- that's Ant-Man a good Ant-Man fight the wasp is, is throwing off all my terminology <laughs> um, yeah the hornet's like one of the the first major like maybe the second major boss that you come across but it's the first time you get a new ability uh, yes. in in the game and um, yeah that's a that's a great fight it's very much about like understanding uh, like that one is uh, like very focused on. Uh, I mean, it's patterns, which is like a lot how a lot of Metroid games yeah, sort of yeah. like fights work, especially boss fights work. But I forget, like, can you instigate like the dive from that character, or are you always just waiting for the dive you to can, happen? I think if you're at the right distance from her, she'll do the dive. Um, no, because she also has like the spear throw and yeah. the the charge and stuff. So I think it's kind of like waiting for that dive and then figuring out like. Oh, you know what? It's not the first ability you get because by then I had the ma- you have the magic shoot ability, right? Oh, the right. First, yes, the you laser get, shot. But you get that yeah. traversal ability from her. You get that dash. Um, but the the that laser shot is was super important for me because I would basically be just like, you know, hit, every time I hit her, you're gaining ma- mana or whatever, mm-hmm. and so I'd be like, do kind of like trying to lure her into doing that bad. Uh, uh, dive or it's easy for me to get behind her charging up and then blasting you know when she's at range um and that was just a really fun fight and in general i'm just having a great time exploring the world i think it's one of the most charming games i've played in a while it's it's really fun to play a game that has that touch we've talked about this in terms of metroid we talked about this in terms of dark souls but it also has this touch of like of charm and likability that I don't know that either of those games go for. And the thing that I love about it is I can tell it's all going to fucking fall apart. You can tell that there is, like, some There's dark shit you're up to. Here. Yeah. Like, like, I... Mm, I there's a lot of indications along the margins that, like, you may be indiscriminately killing things that maybe yeah. you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're the bad guy. Uh, and, and I'll be curious to see, like, what that turn is. Because, like, it's yes. happen- like, the indications are happening so early, and I know this yeah. game is extremely long. Like, it's like talk- 40 like, hours or something, right? It's, uh, yeah, especially if you're – it's like 40 hours if you're just kind of going through it, and then it's, okay. like, a whole lot longer if you want to – do everything it or and whatever then there's two right. dlcs and then there's right. um like arena modes that and like challenge stuff that you can do that like yeah you know i'm like someone in the chat this morning when i was streaming it was like 139 hours and counting and it's like okay i like that's uh, that's not gonna be me but that shows you sort of like the breadth of like where you can go with it i had this really good fight um where uh you know those enemies that like are uh, hidden in a big bush and then they like pop up out from the ground and they yeah, charge and then, you. And then they yes, charge yes, you yes. and then you attack them and like a little worm like appears and you have to track down that that worm. And uh, I uh, encountered a boss, one of those, yes. where the way – and this is part of like when we were talking about like taking lessons from Dark Souls as opposed to explicitly copying Dark Souls. And to be fair, like Hollow Knight explicitly takes certain things from yes. the Dark Souls games. But like there are some like larger concepts and lessons it's playing with that are aren't so like just transposed from one thing to another and like this uh, one of the things I'm I'm learning as I'm playing the game more and more is like the way uh it's much more explicit about teaching you like certain techniques through the enemy encounters than Dark Souls ever is like Dark Souls yeah. is teaching that in sort of like a like a really broad sense like 
Um, but it's not usually that like a specific encounter is meant to elicit like a specific sort of like lesson for the player. You're just like, like learning those as you're putting things together. I mean, there are exceptions to that rule, but but it's like Hollow Knight has very specific instances where it's like, hey, this encounter is communicating a highly specific technique right. that it wants you to learn. And this one um, has uh, this like sort of giant bush creature uh, uh, charging at you very, very fast um, to the point, and, and unlike the smaller versions of it, when you attack it, it doesn't... Um, explode and then expose the tiny worm it just keeps <laughs> charging it keeps coming at you, you. yeah and you, can then kind of, it, you can kind of hold it off but it will hit you because it doesn't it's almost like it has like not super armor from a fighting game but something like it where like you cannot halt it in its tracks in the same way no you and if, if you if you attack it straight on you're probably going to get hit in in the process and so maybe and you're probably on one hit not going to get enough mana to Right. Heal yourself, and so it's going to be like a net negative. Like, you're not going to be making the sort of progress that you need to to actually survive the fight, even if you manage to get a hit off. And then the other version of uh, the, the other technique that enemy has is that it'll jump into the sky and then kind of come down at a 45-degree angle. And what I started picking up, like, you know, I managed to finish that fight the first time, but I, I really wasn't, like, making any progress at first, and I wasn't being able to get many attacks, and I was just kept jumping over, and I realized about halfway through, like, oh... Like, I've been, like, wholly underutilizing the fact that you can both attack in the above you and below you. Yes, um, Because 100%. prior to that, you don't really, like, the game doesn't force you into a position where you need to be attacking above and below. And what you end up finding is that, oh, if you jump over and attack downwards where you don't lose momentum, like, you can jump over and, like, you you kind of bounce. So, you like, you, you actually get some... Uh, uh, you gotta play with the gravity and like keep your character moving um, in a direction as opposed to like hitting down and then you fall and then you're going to get hit in the process. So I, I realized like, oh, I can jump over, I can bounce, get an attack in, bounce over, and then when uh-huh. the when the when the enemy comes at a 45 degree angle, I can basically stay in my position where I'm at and just poke up and I'll get a hit. And then all of a sudden, the fight became trivial because the game wants right. you to learn these two things. And once you've learned, oh, hit up and hit down, this is the way the fight's supposed to go. You've one. You've learned like proper application of a technique that will pay dividends going forward, both like retroactively and like you know the encounters you're gonna have in the future. And two, the game essentially wa- steps aside and says, "Hey, this fight is actually inconsequential now. Like you're just going to just coast through to the end because you figured out the trick." And what I like about the fact that it, it's not just a trick where it's like, "Ah, like I found the weak point," and then. Um, uh, uh, you know, the, the, now the, the the boss is trivial, which is fine. It's fair. Like that's a that's a totally justified way to structure a boss encounter. But this one in particular is the trick solves the puzzle of the fight, but then also gives you a strategy technique for like uh, things in the future. And it's just like a really smart way yeah. of that's that's taking a lesson for how Dark Souls like bluntly hits you over the head to force you to like learn <laughs> right. how to dodge. But it, like it it crafts it down into something a little sharper, a little yes. bit more specific. You know. Yes. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, it's reminding me a lot of. Obviously, we we talk a lot again about Dark Souls, about Metroid. But there's the the thing that the kind of melancholy atmosphere it has reminds me a little bit of something like Nier Automata, especially given the like, ooh, what's up with this NPC? What's going on with this with this character over here? Um, and like, what are, what's up with the remnants of all these these old things? Like, there's a history here. There's a sense of a history. Uh, but also like um, Sword and Sword Super Brother Sword and Sorcery from forever ago with that same sort of like there is something grand and mythic here that I know I'm interweaving with 
but I can't help but feel like we're walking towards doom. You know, like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the great hero here. Um, and then mechanically, like I, I'm really enjoying the um, the system of getting the the what are they called? The upgrades, the notched, uh, the mm-hmm. like pins or whatever they're called that you, that you kind map. of put into for your for your map, but also the ones that you just equip for yourself that give you just passive bonuses. Oh, so yeah, like, yeah, ch- I, charms. Charms, charms, yeah. I found, like, a secret charm seller, actually, last night, which is exciting. Ooh. Um, yeah, there's, like, all sorts of shit. I'm, I'm, like, a little bit past, I think, where you are. I've beaten both of the bosses. I'm down in the, like, mushroomy area. I don't know if you've gotten there yet. Um, there is are, like... all, like, the... Like, there's an... Uh, they're kind of... Uh, not the sea creature, the... Um, uh, the, mm. Like the the jellyfish? Jellyfish, yes. Yes, there are some jellyfish there for sure. Those are like bubbles. So there's like, I think there's a fungal area and there's also like a foggy area. I've been to both of those. Um, but I don't have maps for either yet because you buy maps from an NPC who's like in the area and I haven't found. I heard him I heard him singing once, but he was separated from me by like a magical force field. And I was yeah, so that, upset. That, like, that black like goop that was going yes, from yes, like yes, the yes, ceiling yes. to the ground. Yeah, that's yeah. what oh, another All right, so we were exactly really, at the same place. Yeah, like another really short sharp uh like fun touch of that game is like yeah so i think i mentioned this we talked about the game before but uh when you enter an area that you haven't been to before you have to purchase a map and then even once you purchase that map you need to fill out that map by you know going to places and then going to a save location and writing like doing the physical act of writing it down um but this this really you're so like when you get to a new area one of the first things you want to do is find try and find a rest point so that you 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 have a checkpoint um See if you can find a travel area that can, like, let you do the fast travel around the environment and also go back to the surface to buy things. Um, and then three is to try and find this map. And the way the game communicates that you are near the map maker's location is twofold. One, you will hear, like, a... <laughs> yeah, he's a great... Like, he's, he's a, a great Very hum. good hum. And then two, you will uh, find, like, little pieces of paper like filtered about like just thrown about oh, in the environment I notice that yeah like okay. you'll notice like when you enter those areas you'll just see like little pieces of paper like kind of shoved into the sides of the walls and stuff like that because he's just running around with all these maps <laughs> and he just can't he's just got too many maps and he's he, great i love him um it's 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 a real it's again it's like really those those little touches that show the attention to detail that uh team cherry the developers like put into the game and, and all sorts of things that they wouldn't need to right you could just put the npc in the NPC, right. just like any other game, could just be there, and you stumble yep. upon them. And instead, like, there's all this, like, contextual, like, stuff that's happening uh, around it that just makes it uh, – it helps establish that sense of place, which is also a lesson of Souls that is hard to copy, right? Like, Neo uh, was a really, really good mechanical riff on yeah. Dark Souls. But I played about 10, 15 hours of that game. I did not get a sense of place in the same way – um, from Neo. Uh, same with right. the Surge, which was like you know Mecha Souls. Um, for yep. not not Mecha in the not Austin Mecha, Walker but sense, but right, you know you're right. dealing it's with like robotics and stuff. Robots. Like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, that game also had a really poor sense of place. You were just in a non-destructive junkyard. factory, yeah, junkyard it place. Like, it didn't. You it didn't, didn't feel suck, like you were in a world. And yes, Hollow Knight exactly. feels like you're in a world. And all sorts of small and big things add up to make that work in the way that. Part of the reason people are so invested in the lore of the Souls games is not just the way – it's not just item descriptions that link together in clever right. ways. It's how all of that feeds in to a, a form of storytelling that is both right. the sense of place and the actual, like, sort of literal storytelling that is happening um, – through text or, or or things like that. Like, it all works together to achieve an effect that is not 
outright copyable, like, or at least have it's you, not something you can just copy and paste. Have you gotten to the, there's like the grand subway or whatever it's called, like the Queens, the Queens, um, uh, train station or st- steed station or whatever. Is it's it like, like where it's, you, it's like, it's like three levels deep and you yeah, like encounter like an big. NPC that's like, yo, this place is huge. <laughs> Yes, yes, totally. Uh, was, I love that because it's one of those things where you, you – so there's fast travel in this game in certain points. Like each – each the game is subdivided into map zones where it's like, okay, these are like the caves and this area is like the forested area and this area has the, the mushrooms in it and stuff, whatever, right? Um, and each one of those has – a stag station that's what it's called they're called stags um which are it's like a big it's like what if there was like a knight whose job was to carry people around is like a big six-legged beetle or something that has chairs on the back uh and you get to like the queen's stag station and it's like going to a major it's like going to grand central station or something and there is just a sense of like Oh, yeah, of course this would exist. Like, of course, if there's an underground kingdom, there would be some of these that are not just little subway stops. Some of these would be destinations in their own right. Um, and it felt a little bit like what I wanted from Metro. Uh, there's a moment in Metro where you go to, like, the Grand Station, mm-hmm. and you only kind of see it a little bit in Metro. You only get to, like, you walk past it really quick. And this isn't, like, you know, this isn't a huge bustling city or, or whatever, because it is, it is still this kind of post-apocalyptic setting um, where things have gone wrong in this in this this fantasy bug kingdom. But... But uh, there is still this sense of grandeur and like, oh, I can see what this place would have felt like back then. And now it's just like, you know, this one rando NPC like kicking his legs off the side of a of a you know a, a one of the levels and kind of hanging out there, and it feels abandoned, but it still feels really magnificent in some way. I really love it. I'm really enjoying it. I'm happy to have something to come back to at night where I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to put a couple hours into. Um, yeah. So I've, do you know I've if been... the NPCs have stories? Do you know if the NPCs have stories like in Dark Souls? Like, am I gonna miss anything if I don't? Like, I met a guy who was like, I need to go to the fucking arena. I've met him twice now, and the second time I met him, he yelled. At me for taking fast travel. Um, he was <laughs> I don't like, know if "True warriors are... don't take." I just want to make sure I'm not going to miss. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because definitely. Yeah, for people that haven't played the Souls game, like there, it's you traditionally miss the vast majority of like the NPC side quests your first time through the game, which means that I miss most of those <laughs> forever because um, it's not like the game doesn't have like a quest journal. It doesn't tell you explicitly like, "Hey, if you want to." see this character again like go do action x y and z a lot of that's like figured out by the community um after the fact so you can make sure you can do as much during your playthrough but i don't know if the game is my 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 guess would be no i don't i don't get the sense that it has stuff like that but i could just as easily uh, be wrong uh, about that oh someone mentioned this in the chat today uh did you know that uh so when you go to ride the big uh, beautiful uh, bugs that like allow you to do fast travel. Yeah, where they're very cute. They're very yeah. big. I I appreciate them fully. If you get down off the platform yes. and stand in front of them, you can talk to them. I did not yep. know that. And yeah, they'll and give they'll you a like, bunch of like lore of like the yes. local area. Oh, the, I I haven't been here. Oh, this town used to hustle and bustle or whatever. You know, they don't speak English. Like, they speak English. You can read the text, but they go like, ooh, ooh, ooh. oh, the re- like look. 
the the uh, the heir to rare uh, mumble speak um, yeah. is, to, is has been found in Hollow Knight. Yes. Most games that have tried to do what Rare did, where like it's kind of cute to have them not actually speak English, is be- like go where they're like uh, boom, 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 yeah, on, like, like in like Star Fox or whatever. But here, it's really oh, it's good. So good. There's like a there's almost a like a harmony, uh, not a harmony. That's not the right word. Um, but like there is something about there's a there's something musical and a rhythm and a, like yeah about the the sounds that they're making. I love it. It's so. It's also, good. actually feels oh, the one of the more recent ones I came across actually feels like closer to a language. Like it doesn't it it runs like a a, a fine line between right. like just wanting to give you some sort of sense of character for like whoever you're talking to, but also doesn't feel just explicitly like gibberish. It, it right. does feel like it's it's pulled. You can imagine it being part of a language that you just don't understand. I guess is yes. is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't. It reminds me of something explicit, and I'm I'm having a hard time putting my finger on it. But it reminded me of another fantasy game of some kind that had a similar sort of like um, fictional language. I'm never going to put my my finger on it. But there was something else that did this pretty well recently, and it's it's driving me up the wall that I can't quite remember. But it's really good. It's a really good fictional. Like they do a lot of like. Com- communicating personality through it mm-hmm. where like you've met have you met like the grumpy knight who is like oh the one who you think you're saving and then it turns out he's pissed yeah. that you saved him he's a piece of shit <laughs> yeah exactly that guy you can tell that he's a piece of shit that he's kind of like a grumpy know-it-all thinks he's hot shit the way he speaks i love it it's, it's really good um all right it's actually should... kind of nice to have an npcs that are a little more straightforward. i i, I yes. like the way that um the, the souls games handle their sort of like oblique storytelling and and every character laughing in in weird ways and not ever being straightforward about their intentions um not to say there won't be characters that uh are not straightforward about their intentions in hollow knight but there is i don't trust that witch i don't trust that witch you meet early on Uh, she knows some shit i don't trust there's a lot of people i don't trust but i know i'm supposed to not trust them it's not just like well this is another souls game so i shouldn't trust anybody I, i i feel like that knight that is upset that you saved him is going to get into some shit again and then be thankful that you saved him (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's my totally. prediction. That's a good prediction. That's a good prediction. Um, all right. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we should do some a little bit more of a E3 wrap-up and some Q&A or some, some question bucket stuff. So we will be right back. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right, we are back. I hope that I managed to edit that 
break well. Uh, I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Patrick, the uh, Jeff Keeley uh, of the, the Internet Jeff, Jeff Awards. The Internet Jeff Keeley has released the Jeff Keeley Awards. No, actually, the Jeff Keeley, the Keeleys are later this year. But the <laughs> E3 uh, Judges Awards have gone live, uh, and I felt like maybe we should just talk through those. Actually, you thought that. You were the one who was like, oh, yeah. a good segment would be we could just talk through those. And you're right, so we should we should look at those real quick. Because we voted on some, those. We voted on those. We voted on those. In fact, we voted on those, and I forgot to submit our votes until two days ago uh, because we, it was one of those things where it was like, we, I did our initial votes. Those all went in. Our initial, mm-hmm. like, here's how you build the ballot votes. Then there's a second round, and that request came in in the morning of on Friday morning, and then Friday was wild because we got streaming late and i just forgot to hit submit and so jeff had to follow up with me and was like austin i need those uh there and i was like normally it's like okay that happens like whatever someone forgets uh-huh. to hit submit but he was like we have some ties we need to break some ties Ooh, so so which we is came like, in and just knocked some things I, around, you know what huh? we knock we may knock some things around for instance no okay let's go through this list best of show resident evil 2 which is a, was a shocker for me i so I was uh, not not impressed by Resident Evil 2 at E3, but I didn't see enough of it to, like, say a whole... I mean, there's a reason that I didn't spend, like, 45 minutes, like, gushing over it <laughs> on our, our, uh, our E3 podcast because there just wasn't enough to see. Like, it was an intro to that game. That feels very much fueled by two things. Right. One, like, an intense amount of nostalgia for Resident Evil 2. Which, fair, that's a great game, like a, a, an all-timer and a survival horror, and uh, right. arguably just as good as the original Resident Evil for different reasons. Alien, aliens sort of comparison. Uh, yeah. That said, it also feels like people went, ah, shit, I can't put Cyberpunk in as my best of show. Right, well, okay, I can give you the nominees. Here are the other nominees uh-huh. that we had to get voted on for this final vote. Okay, so, like, yes, you, you couldn't put in Cyberpunk. Uh the, the the rules of this are they have to be they have to be games that were playable for at least five minutes at the show and play, play, that yeah, means... playable can mean because this is how Bioshock Infinite was able yes. to be playable is that you can, as long as you can walk around in a space yep that is playable so yeah like, it the doesn't mean it has to be good is, is, it yeah it, it stretched pretty far but um just, they didn't you know CD Projekt Red was not even allowing folks to do that for that game for judges yeah exactly which which i you know is part of why i'm pretty sure that game's not coming until late 2019 maybe early 2020 i'm, so. n- I'm now more convinced that it's 2020 uh yeah. uh than i was at e3 um you know i would love to be proven wrong ship that Me game next too. christmas um uh, but that would be great uh, I, I feel like uh 2020 is possibly shaving up for what starfield and uh cyberpunk of the same year all right That'd be great. let's do it Bring let's it. do put it me in a, let's go put me in a chamber Wake me up. Uh, So the other Best of Show nominees, Anthem, Marvel Spider-Man, Resident Evil 2, uh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And I think it's fascinating that, one, of that list, one of those is a remake, Resident Evil 2. Mm -hmm. One of those is is a a kind of combination of past games with some new modifications with Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Mm -hmm. One of those is a new game, but that is hearkening back to... Uh, something that's well loved in in Spider Man from Spider Man like that has very like shades of Spider Man two, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have two two games that are from well known studios from Soft and Bioware, but that are very clearly diverging from their pasts in right. Anthem and Sekiro, um, and uh, it is fascinating to me that RE two wins here partially because it feels like 
I'm safest is maybe not the the right term here, but it feels like it's the one that's walking the line between old stuff you know was good and new stuff you hope is good. Um, and in also that, you like, know a little bit more of what RE2 is, yes. right? Like, uh, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if everyone actually saw the demo for uh, Shadows Die Twice, right? Like, who knows if you right. played Spider-Man. Um, right. And so I think RE2 is a little more of like, okay, like Capcom has shown a history of like being able to do like very, not just competent, but like really... Uh, tremendous, like, revisitations of their past, like, RE7 was great, and it's like, okay, like, you can see, like, absent the game, like, you know, like, a cyberpunk that really got people, like, talking, um, and Anthem being a game that was more, like, I originally had, like, when I I was listing out things, like, I, I, maybe I put Anthem, I can't remember what I, but, like, I remember my, my feeling on that was, like, am I putting it here because it was best of show, or am I putting it here because I was so surprised how much I liked it, but if I was to take that part out of it, then I'm still left with a game that I have enormous questions about, and I don't know that Best of Show feels like how I actually felt about that right. game. Like Best of Show, like it was biggest surprise was Anthem for me. Like, and that's right. that's and that's where I ended up thinking about it when I was thinking of the sort of like Best of Show vote. I believe you voted RE2. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. I did sure. the safer choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and so, and so, uh, I think I maybe I think somebody else voted Sekiro, and I think I voted Sekiro. I think our vote went to Sekiro. Uh, but my still, problem was I was I was about to put that game for like eight different things, and I was yeah. like, okay, I, I need to like zero in, <laughs> ratchet yeah. back, and uh, and plus I, I you know uh, judges had a chance to you know make touch sure that game make was sure playable, it and touch yep. it, but like can't talk about it, but. I, yeah, but I didn't play that game, and you know, I, obviously, like I have a lot of faith in From Software, and yeah. you know, learning. And you Miyazaki. believe me when I say that I yeah. wanted to vote for Sekiro, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, but you saw me play anyway. We, yeah. we should move mm-hmm. on. Uh, best original game. The nominees were Anthem, Days Gone, Dreams, Sekiro, and Skull and Bones. Uh, best that's original weak, game. That's a weak. That's a that's weak a, lineup. That's a pretty. Uh, uh, you know, I think the thing that's tough there is there isn't. There isn't any, none of those games are the ones that like stole our hearts at E3. Again, I think Sekiro is cool, but even there, it's like it's a follow up to a thing in, in so very, many ways. You, you, you very much know, like, you may not know the specifics of what it is, but yeah. in like broad strokes. Um, and that, that's part of the reason I was sort of fussy on even picking that game because I think I, I don't know if I expressed this on a podcast or it was just to you privately, was that uh, I'm not disappointed that that's what that. That's what Shadows Die Twice is, but I am also wondering if, like, the de- like the kind of game that From Software is now quickly like riffing and then like spoking out of, like, am I getting? I'm less surprised than I was in the past, even though I know I'm going to enjoy that game quite a bit. It'll probably be one of my favorite games uh, of next year. But at the same time, I'm not like sh- like I'm. There's nothing. It's not as surprising as I was hoped for. Like I'm, I'm in some ways waiting for like. What is the next Souls game? But not in like the Souls right. sense, but in yeah, the yeah, sense yeah. of like, like takes Something you by surprise things up. Right. and then like comes from left field. Like that's not what Shadows Die Twice is. It's a Souls type game with like riffing around with different mechanics, adding verticality, and all that stuff's going to be cool. But it's not the same sort of like paradigm shift that you know the Demon Souls and then Dark Souls you know capitalized on. Yeah, totally. Uh, Dreams took this, and I think that's the right my definitely the pick that mm-hmm. I would make here uh, in terms of it's an original game. It's doing mm-hmm. something new. Obviously, it is still um, it is still riffing on the Little Big Planet stuff that Media Molecule did, uh, but it feels in this list of action games, Dreams is the one that feels really distinct in its possibility space uh, and and the sort of thing that I want to encourage inside of the inside of the industry. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I, I people should go back and if you didn't hear me uh, go back to one of the past episodes that I was after I came back from um, the pre E three judges week in May. Uh, go back and try to listen to that episode because I went in deep with my demo there. I wish Dreams had been on stage at Sony because there's a version, there's a twenty minute demo of that that I think would blow people's minds. Um, and I wish they had given some space to that at the actual show. Um. Uh, best console game nominees, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Dreams, Marvel Spider-Man, Resident Evil 2, Sekiro, and Super Smash Ultimate. Uh, best console game is such a weird, like, best console yeah. versus best PC thing is such a yeah. weird subdivide. But Spider-Man wins here, and I think that, f- it's weird, like, I don't, what's that mean? What does best console game mean for the you? Best console game means that it, when you voted for your best of show, you went, okay, but I also really like Spider-Man. Where's, like, another spot on that <laughs> list that I can, like, I mean, that's honestly how, like, yes. that's how the thought process usually works on this. It's like, okay, I voted for RE2. Like, could I, conceive, conceivably, like, there's no reason that you can't just put, like, logically, I, RE2 is my favorite game of the show. Thus, it also was right. my favorite console game, my favorite PC game, right? right? Like, that's how that should work if you're following, like, the specific logic. But in reality, what you end up going is like, okay, like, I used my vote for RE2 uh, on Best of Show. Like, I want to try and sprinkle out some appreciation for other games that I liked. And so I think I voted for, I think I pretty much, I, I think I voted for Spider-Man as well because I did really like the swinging in that game. Um right. And in a way that was like, okay, this seems like really rad. I, I'm excited to play more of this. Um, so that's my that's my guess on how that ended up at yeah. that spot. And <laughs> yeah, Anthem, I think is, Anthem is weird because it's like, that's a PC game too. So it's like also right. best console. I'm going to try I mean, to play that on PC, ideally. RE2 is also going to be on PC. That's probably where I'll play that. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I think for the voting thing, it had to be games that showed on that given console specifically. Mm. Um, so like, I think we played Anthem on Xbox One. What did we play at Anthem on? It was an Xbox One controller, at least. So it must have been on the Xbox One dev kit, because it's under a console game and not PC. No, wait. It's under PC game, so that must have been on a PC. That makes sense. Mm. Um, uh, let's just jump to those, I guess. Anthem, Battlefield Five, Metro Exodus, Rage 2, Total War, Three Kingdoms. I thought this was going to be... I thought, the, uh, you know, there's a certain sort of, like... When I vote for best PC game, there is something in me that's like, yeah. it has to be a Metro, it has to be a Rage, it has to be a Total War, it has to be like a PC-ass PC game. But Anthem Anthem ended up winning here, which again felt like the thing you're saying. of like, well, and also I liked Anthem, so let's make sure it has an award too. Yep. yep. I mean, it's a problem. Like, it's, it's di- I mean, you know, it's difficult to craft award categories. There's a reason that we do, like, really strange ones, because yep. it feels more in the spirit of wanting like essentially we come at our awards constructing them from like okay here's all the games we really like this year how do we find ways of recognizing them because arbitrary categories like this you end up running into people then having to do that anyway where it's like games don't end up getting all the accolades that would necessarily make sense for how the list is constructed but people don't want to necessarily vote for i mean right. if cyberpunk was applicable it probably would have ran away with a ton of these um yep. um like it probably we'll would have gotten best year. console, best PC game. Right. Like, yes, that'll probably be next year when um, that is a, in a more playable state. But, or, you uh, know what? I hope yeah. not. I hope next year we're all surprised by something just as much as we were surprised by Cyberpunk. Sure, like, yes. That's the dream, right? Every year you walk away going like, whoa, I can't believe X was so good. Um, best VR, AR game, uh, which is a, a weird one because I, I definitely didn't play most of these. I didn't play Astrobot Rescue Mission or Deracine. Uh, I played Echo Combat uh, and I played Tetris Effect. And I didn't even get near Trover Saves the Universe because I don't even know what that is. That's the Justin Roiland game. Oh, he's just doing the bad trailer. The bad trailer. 
Uh, Tetris Effect won that. I'm not too surprised. That game is really great. Mm-hmm. It's from you know a, a team that we know has done really great stuff like Rez uh, and and Luminez and you know anytime you give Tetsuya Mizuguchi VR, some cool shit's gonna come out of it. Um, and that seems to be what happened here. Uh, I'm not surprised to see that do so well. Um, uh, best hardware peripheral: uh, the Neo G- Geo Mini, the Pokeball Plus, Starlink <laughs> Battle for Atlas. The Vantage controller for PS4 and the Xbox Adaptive controller. I would have been very upset if anything Me other than too. what won. <laughs> Which was the Xbox Adaptive controller. That was in the right call. That's a cool thing. Um, you know that's a cool thing because I brought it up when I brought it up with Reggie in my interview with Reggie. He was like, yeah, it's a cool thing. <laughs> you know, he right. didn't just say, we don't like to comment on what our competition is doing. I mean, the the Nintendo Xbox relationship is very clearly getting closer and closer uh, every every day. So very curious to see. One of the rumors I, I saw people uh, starting to talk about is whether or not we could see the Xbox adaptive controller start to run on the Switch sometime in the future, and I would like that quite a bit. Oh, because um, yeah, it's just like a it's just a, it's USB, a USB thing. Yeah, hmm. Totally, totally. Yeah, hmm. that'd be cool. Um, that'd be cool. That'd wow. Be cool. Yeah. That. Oh. Hmm. That yeah, plus, they would fix a lot of problems. That plus system wide button remapping would be really cool. Those yeah. are the two things I would like to see from the Switch. Um, next up is uh, best action game: Anthem, Battlefield Five, Call of Duty, Black Ops Four, Metro Exodus, and Rage Two. And Anthem won again, and I think that again speaks to like that behind the scenes hands-on demo being yep. such a good feeling thing especially compared to like metro i think is a game that i think that the, the hands-on demo that i had at pre e3 was just like so busted that it undercut that for me and then like it's a bunch of stuff where i felt i, I know what a good first person shooter feels like i know what a good battlefield feels like i know what a good call of duty feels like anthem felt fresh in terms of its gameplay and that's uh that's good that's like that's i'm happy again to see that stuff rewarded mm-hmm uh, best action adventure, AC or- uh, Odyssey, uh, Spider Man, Resi- Resident Evil. I almost said Resi. I almost said Resi too. You Holy don't, shit! Do not. Resident Evil Two, Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and Tom Clancy's The Division. This stuff gets so weird for me. Of like, what is action adventure? What is I RPG? Know. What is action? How is Spider Man not an? You know, whatever. How is how is The Division at this point not an RPG? There's skill trees. There- how is Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which now has dial- a dialogue wheel, right. not an RPG? Um, uh, Video game genres are bad. Yeah, they're basically. bad. They're, they're all flying apart. In any case, Spider-Man won for best action adventure. Sure. Which, you know, that's... Or, or, like, how did Anthem, which, again, we know has... One, we know it has uh, skill Tons of adventure trees, elements. It's also an RPG. Of, and, and it has RPG elements. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, like, also, one of the things in the initial email from, from Keeley was, like, what makes it an action adventure game is third-person action variants that include action, but also traversal and puzzle solving. Okay. And that's that's it. You know? I mean, I, 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 that's, mm, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Video game anyway. genres are bad. Video game genres are bad. Uh, uh, I'll just blow through these really quick so we yep. can kind of get a, a bigger picture thing. So Spider-Man won that, and then RPG was Divinity Original Sin 2, Dragon Quest Eleven, which is weird because that's that's only on there because it's coming out on console. console this year. Yeah. Exactly. Dragon Quest Eleven Echoes of an Elusive Age, which is a great subtitle. Uh, mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts 3, Octopath Traveler, and Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee with Kingdom Hearts 3 winning. It had to, right? It had to it had to win this. Yeah. This is its year. Let them have this. Well, next year, next year is its year, but well, know, yeah, I, but you know, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, best fighting game: <laughs> Dead or Alive Six, Jump Force, Soul Calibur Six, or Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. At with... least there were games in this category this year. Some yeah. years, it's just like, yep. yo, there was one. 
All right, one Combat. I mean, one of the rules for submitting your your ballot suggestions is you have to have at least three things, and if you don't, (laughs) don't even bother. Like, which I I always kind of been like, well, wait, but what if I really liked the one racing game I played and want to like shout it out? And I guess that the idea, one of the ways I, I started to interpret this is like. Listen, somebody cares enough about racing games to put together the ballot for it. Like, someone cares enough about sports games to be like, yeah, these are the three sports games there. Let that person suggest those. Those will go on the ballot, and then you can vote on them when it's time to actually vote. Um, in any case, Smash won Best Fighting Game, uh, which I, I think Soul Calibur felt a little bit better to me, all said. But that's just – that's my history speaking. That's my love of Soul Calibur and Soul Edge over my love of my, – my interest in Smash. You know, like, right. oh, yeah, I'm interested in Smash, but I love Soul Calibur. So. I mean, the, also, those are – more or less all those games are derivative – like yep. sequels, and I don't yep. necessarily mean that as pejorative, as much as like basically what one out there was probably just familiarity with yeah. one IP over another. Whereas, like, if there had been, if this year there had been some sort of like really unexpected fighting game that was like surprising and different, that probably would that have ran away with it, it just yeah. because it would have been different. So, ultimately, those categories kind of come down to like, are you a Tekken fan? Are you a Dead or Alive? You know, like that's just kind of how that stuff ends up breaking down. Totally. Best racing game, F1 2018, Forza Horizon, Team Sonic Racing, The Crew 2, Trials Rising, uh, and that was Forza. And best sports game, FIFA, Mario Tennis Aces Pro Evo 2019, and that was FIFA. Um, that was one of those, this is one of those ones where, again, it feels like, like The Crew 2 is already out, or is mm-hmm. was going to be out immediately. Um, uh, Mario Tennis Aces is about to be out pretty much immediately, and it defaults to, like, those are the big the biggest ones in terms of catching uh, rather Forza and FIFA are the ones that have like the biggest built in audiences and are like aesthetically and design wise, the big bucket that you're going to fall into. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like those are the, the mass audience games. I guess Mario tennis falls into that a little bit, but FIFA just has such a huge, a huge uh, audience that at this point it's like, you can't ignore that. Um, you know, this is, uh, th- those wins are always weird for me. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, the the biggest AAA game on this list one. No no shit. Right. Uh, um, so yeah, best strategy game: Mutineer Zero: Road to Eden, which I didn't know was a strategy game. I guess it's a tactics game. So maybe that's it. Maybe there's not. Mm. I don't know. Total War: Three Kingdoms, Two Point Hospital, uh, which is like the the follow up to Theme Hospital, theme and hospital, then yeah. uh, and War Groove, which I'm mad I didn't play. I realized it was at the Xbox event, and I just never got around to it. Um, I, I saw it, and then I, a cool I feel like that game has to be out like soonish, but maybe not. I felt like that way for like the last year and a half. So <laughs> that is the that is like the fantasy advance wars that Chucklefish is making. Yeah, the publisher, the publisher rather. is not the developer of Stardew Valley, but they are becoming right. known for a certain type. Yes. Of game, like they also have the like, Harry Starbound. Potter RPG that's coming out. Yeah, that um, game looks great. Yeah, it looks. Uh, I'm excited yeah, for that. But, and both, I mean, they they are going after an aesthetic that I am, am very into. And yes. you know, if they haven't had a, they also published Risk of Rain. They also published yeah. Starbound. They have a good um, taste. They do. So. They do. Um, there's a game called um, uh, Witch Marsh by them that is like a co-op platform or like action RPG where mm. you go into the like the the heart of the swamplands of Massachusetts in the 1920s to fight cultists and Cthulhu's, um, which is my new tabletop role-playing game, Cultists and Cthulhu's. Uh, it looks dope. <laughs> it looks so good. I'm super excited for that. Um, in any case, Wargroove is like I, I say fantasy. Um, uh, 
Advance Wars and not just Fire Emblem because it doesn't seem to be as focused on like um, character like characters as RPG characters as much as it is about like armies and units you know and and producing new it's just a little bit more advanced wars than than fire emblem in that way um has a great look though so i'm very curious about that in any case that didn't win uh (laughs) total war did so i don't know why i'm jabbering on about war group because we didn't talk about it that's why because i'm mad i didn't i didn't find my way to playing it uh in any case um three kingdoms one and rob has written about that if you haven't read rob's piece on, on on why he is uh you know uh carefully excited about three kingdoms then then you should go do that over on the site um best family slash social game dreams D- uh, lego dc supervillains pokemon let's go overcooked 2 and mario tennis aces i should note briefly that natalie and i played a bunch of lego or natalie played and i watched her play a bunch of lego dc supervillains and we made a very goofy lego dc supervillain character we have footage of that i don't know if we're going to do anything with that footage because there's a ton of footage of that game out there um but that seemed like a fun time i would have enjoyed that as a kid uh, in any case, Overcooked 2 won, and I really liked Overcooked 2. Um, <laughs> being able to throw ingredients is such a game changer, uh, and some of the levels do some really fun and interesting things now. We had one that was on an airship, and then where we were making, you know, I forget exactly what we were making. We were making, let's just say, pizzas, and then we crashed, the, the, something popped the, the hot air balloon, and so we crashed down into a conveyor belt sushi place. Uh, and so then we were making pizzas and also sushi. And it was a really dynamic level that really threw things into, into chaos in a really fun way. So I'm excited to see Overcooked 2. Um, best online multiplayer, Anthem, Battlefield 5, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Destiny 2, Forsaken, Skull and Bones, and The Division 2. That, that collection of games is just such a... yeah. I'm a little fatigued looking at that collection of things. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It just feels like such a known... Like, I can compare that to best strategy game. Mutineer Zero, Total War Three Kingdoms, to- uh, Two Point Hospital, Wargroove. Compare that even to, to best family game of Dreams, Lego DC Supervillains, Pokemon Let's Go, Overcooked 2, and Mario Tennis Aces. And it's just like, there's a... Anthem, Battlefield 5, Call of Duty, Black Ops 4, Destiny 2, Forsaken, Skull and Bones... Tom Clancy's The Division 2. Well, it's just like uh, none of the... It doesn't... It, those games are just games that have multiplayer. And it's just like... I, off, it, 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 yeah. It just, it just feels very perfunctory. As, and I'm not saying those games aren't doing multiplayer well. Right. But, you know, there's nothing in there that goes like, ah, right, like this is doing something like really right, unique like, with like players being connected to one another. I want dreams for online multiplayer games. Like, not literally. I mean, also literally. But what I want is, like, I want that thing that's like, whoa, I can't believe that's, that's a really cool, unique thing to do in multiplayer. Right. You know, in any case, Battlefield Five wins here. And, I mean, that, that game sounds like it's going well. Or, uh, you know, I know that there's the closed alpha happening now. Or maybe that already happened. I don't. I haven't been following close enough. I'd like to see some of that. Uh, I'm excited to play that game, actually. But I, I just wish... Nothing I saw at that event, like, made me super excited for it or made me feel like... This is like right. a crapshoot. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, any, yeah, all of these are online multiplayer games. Any of them could have won this. It feels like um, best independent game: Ori in the Will of the Wisps, uh, Outer Wilds, Overcooked Two, Sable, and Tunic. Uh, this is an exciting category. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of unknowns here. A lot of cool things. Ori wins, which which not a bummer to me because that game looks that great. Feel, that's a, yeah. That, 
Pi, yeah. I really like that game. And Ori uh, and, and the Blind Forest is one of the best sort of like, you know, if you like Hollow Knight, like go back and you, if right. you somehow you didn't play Ori, like that game is a very terrific, more traditional style um, uh, uh, Metroid game. Um, also like more challenging than you would expect, but uh, not nearly on the level of Hollow Knight. But I, 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 I sort of look at Ori and go, oh, that's basically like a first party yeah, me too. Microsoft game. Like, and so I, when it, I think independent, but I don't, I think, I think Sable more yes, than and like me, even if they all fall into the same category it's like well all right like if valve had announced half-life 3 best independent game right. half-life 3 right you know what i mean like it seems to go a little bit against the spirit of the category right, like, the, the, like the rest of these games are small teams or single people right like right. sable is two or three developers plus a writer and the musician tunic is andrew Schuldice plus someone who's doing some like sound effects kevin from uh from powered up audio plus a soundtrack person but andrew Schuldice is doing level design character design programming you know combat design all that stuff and so there's just, like independent is such a broad category here that it feels tough to be like and this is like, where we can get into conversations about polish same with like sable is a gorgeous just game made by a few people and it's nowhere near as polished as ori or overcooked but like you know it's three or four people it's and it's not a sequel so um it's a weird category but you know ori looked great so i'm not gonna i'm not mm-hmm. gonna to should talk it too much here um and then uh best ongoing game is the last voted thing and that is destiny 2 forsaken for honor fortnite player unknowns battlegrounds and tom clancy's rainbow six siege unsurprisingly given the year it's had Fortnite one um but i don't like it winning here because it didn't all it did was come out on switch at at uh e3 right yeah uh i i did vote for Fortnite because i thanks patrick i I considered that to be more of a vote holistically about Fortnite, and like i don't know if you followed what happened with the rocket launch that was dope yes right and i think that stuff just speaks to if that like, had happened at E3, I, I know. Would be but like, like yes. Fortnite's operating on its own sort of timeline, and yeah. so I sort of stepped, like, took a step back, and rather than like, what did Epic Games announce about Fortnite at E3, and was more like, what is actually the game? If, if E3 is just sort of like a, like at least for this category for me, it felt like more of like a sort of like a mark in the sand over like where we are at. Like Fortnite, I think far and away is doing like whatever you think of the style of gameplay it has. Like there is nothing out there doing anything close in terms of like like uh community storytelling in the right. way that that Fortnite is like if you if you don't play the game go look up like the the rocket stuff that was happening I'm bummed I missed and did not watch it as it happened in real time it was it really sounded cool. like a real special moment and I love reading the stories about how like the, the moment where this rocket explodes and goes into the atmosphere and appears to be starting to shatter reality uh like happened in matches where people were supposed to be fighting each other and someone just set the record for most amount of kills in a game by just going around and killing people while they were trying to watch this rocket explode oh, yeah. which is such a shitty thing to do well, it was, but it's it wasn't extremely just, funny it was not just going around and killing people there had been a viewing party set up mm-hmm. on top of a giant ramp like mm-hmm. a giant the biggest ramp I've ever seen in that game and someone just tr- dropped out the very foundation of it and killed 47 people in a single match it's so funny uh, it's very it's funny it's so funny I've if you haven't seen that footage, go find that footage of the rocket going off. It's really cool, and one of my favorite things that they do is they the rocket so the rocket takes off 
Uh, it it breaks off its like uh, fuel um, cell, basically the the lowest like the the launch part mm-hmm. of the rocket falls into Anarchy Acres, and now that that just spawns in Anarchy Acres on every match, like it's just there. Um, and then it it kind of like goes up, and then it turns around, and it laser focuses in on Twisted Towers, which is the place that's been rumored to be blown up. The comet was supposed to land there. The missile yes. was supposed to land there. And the last, and it dives straight down, like lasers like line up to land at Twisted Towers, and the last second it gets teleported away and then like kind of sweeps through the whole map like across the sky um and then eventually gets aimed up into the the sky and it explodes and cracks a hole in the ceiling in the roof like as if it's like a truman show style skybox which is weird uh, and cool so i'm very curious to see where they go from here it's a great tease for whatever's next for them um, and the fact that it just happened simultaneously across every game at that time is really fucking cool. Yes. Like, if you were playing Fortnite at 1.30 Eastern Time on Saturday or whatever it was, that you saw that. And that's a really cool way to do live events in a, in a Battle Royale, in a big multiplayer game like that. Um, they're treating it like an MMO in some ways. Uh, also, I played that game for the first time on Friday in a while, and they've mm-hmm. added a bunch. There's like just stuff to eat on the ground now. Good. And there's, there are there's, rocks there's, to those, eat that can uh, use super jumps. Well, it's yeah, cool. those were those were there uh, starting with the superhero arc. Gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. Um, maybe they're more common among, amongst the map. But yeah, like it makes it so you like can kind of like have the gravity of like walking yes. on the moon or something like that. So you there's can, like, like uh, sticky bombs now. There's all sorts of stuff that I had not seen at all that I got to play. I was like, oh wow, this stuff's all cool. So so yeah. yes. I think that that's I, I think that you make a good case for it being a great ongoing game at the very least, um, and then finally special commendations for graphics uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven Last of Us Part two and Ghost of Tsushima all won a special commendation. Those games don't special commendation games don't need to be playable, so unsurprisingly, uh, all of the other games you're excited for won these. Special commendation for sound uh, the Last of Us Part two won, and then special commendation for innovation Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven won. Um, you know. Nice work yeah, to, the, is, to those. Yeah, I mean, I think I voted Last of Us on graphics because uh, whatever my complicated feelings are about, like, that game in that studio, uh, like, the sheer technical achievement of, like, like the kiss was, like, like the, a mm-hmm. sort of, like, a, a moment in, like, video games. Like, beyond, like, the, the you know, the fact that, like, you know, there's a, um, that sort of, like, representation in a game on a huge stage. Like, just the fact that it was, like, convincing and hot was, like, uh... Like, this is a big moment in, like, game's ability to, like, convince you of, like, a, a certain feeling. Um, and so that was sort of why I ended up falling on that one. I mean, Cyberpunk looks... The, cra- the crowds the crowds are really good in that game. The, the crowds, crowds are really, really good, good in that game. I should note the crowds in um, Hitman also looked really good. So, so good crowds and games coming up mm-hmm. in the future. All right, that is it for those awards. I think, you know, it, with some remove now, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with that E3. I think some, some of those demos are the best demos I've seen. I mean, obviously, people heard me get so excited. Heard us both get so excited. Well, maybe people heard the demo for Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That, I leak stuff like that. Bad. Uh, you know, it's... it's uh, You know what? If you're going to leak it, leak it. Don't pretend that it's like... Mm-hmm deep investigative journalism which is how i've seen it framed just by because they didn't explicitly the say oh uh when they i, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole just bad i disagree <laughs> yeah i disagree i i i want to go and i want to go down the rabbit hole a little bit because i do think okay i do think it's fair to so 
I, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to start a fight. You know, I guess that's what I'll say is I'm not trying to start a fight. People do a thing. You, you do a thing. You did the thing. You work out the relationship that you work out with, with the publisher, and that's fine. But I think that there is – I think that, that it's fair to criticize the state of games journalism. I think we do it kind of often. Um, sure. Uh, but what we try to do more than that is do the sorts of games journalism that we think is important. We, we ask the questions that we think haven't been asked by other people. We try to run stories that uh, we think are important. Um, and that is our best way of doing it. I think, I genuinely think that trying to equate leaking the audio of a, of a game demo, a behind-closed-doors game demo, to When you like, had clear, clear right. like, uh, uh, outlined by the people what the parameters of the meeting were were right like when I do an off the record conversation with yeah. someone, which we do just all I the get, time, just because I hear just because I hear something juicy is like, ha fuck you, I'm putting this out on Twitter. Right, um, it's like but when at the least, parameters. Here's the thing that's wild. It's like even in those situations, it there are things where it's like you would have. I've heard something record. off the record, and then I'll go, hey, like this is actually really interesting. Can we negotiate this to something yes. that I could then publish? But that is a negotiation with a source in a context where you are going back and forth with that person. And like, this is a meeting where like the leak happened in bad faith, I believe because with the top in the recording itself, from what I understand, I've listened to it. Like it's, it, they repeated the mantra that they put in our meeting, which is like, Hey, like, please like, no, they said no recording. And what they don't mean is like, you can't record it. If you want to like, someone asked in our meeting, can I record audio so I can get quotes? And they said, yes. Yes. And like the the good faith interpretation of that is that look like don't be an asshole um, like record this so that you can like write the stories that are informed and have everything that you need but like no recording does like that there's a that's pretty clear what they're saying there even than, if they didn't have you sign even, an NDA even more fundamentally than that if the case is and the case that I've seen brought up by fans and by and by gamers is. You shouldn't do closed door behind closed room or closed room behind closed doors uh, uh, demos uh, unless you're going to show those to the public because then all you're doing is turning reporters into into arms of the PR machine, etc. Doing an audio recording of just the of just the demo is just that exact thing. If you're just listening to someone say, all right, so here's how we made this dope game. You released their minutes, trailer in audio form. Well, like, it, it, without the ability to even see it. You know what I mean? Like, it's literally, I would almost respect more the person who surreptitiously recorded the actual video. Right. Because then yes. at least they'd be saying, like, look, we think this game has some issues. We want people to, we've heard a lot of people talk about it, have hyped it up. But here, you can see the frame rate isn't, like, and, like, fuck that. I don't give a fuck about that anyway. But there are people who really really care about that shit so there'd at least be some degree of consistency there but just releasing 40 minutes 50 minutes of someone being like well in this segment what you're gonna see is how we do cyberware and it's really (laughs) cool uh is not actually doing anything to to you know to offer a counter to the story that the developers were trying to tell about their game it's just letting them tell it on your platform and so it's very frustrating to see that shit CD Projekt Red specifically has a, a, a very understandable reason to not yeah. want to show their game in a really early state because of, like, go do, like, this was not a minor thing. Like, the whole, like, downgrade argument over an early demo of The Witcher 3 that was shown and right. video footage was released because the specs for the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 had not been, like, 
had not been figured out. It hadn't been solidified. So like the visual renderer that they showed publicly had to be adjusted once they were making a multi-platform game in addition to just the sort of things that happen as a game is developed. And time and time again, there are lots of people who understand this. There are lots of people who are informed, understand that games shown early are going to change. But unfortunately, there is a huge culture on, on YouTube, on Reddit, on other places in which people have proven time and time again they are not responsible enough to see this information, to give developers leeway to change, to change their minds, to, to realize that things of compromise um, occur through the course of development. Right. That the and tech the fact doesn't that come out what you Red, thought, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And CD Projekt Red just had this happen with The Witcher 3. Like they went through a firestorm as that game came out. It sold just fine. It, it like rose above all of that stuff. But it is it is disingenuous to pretend that this studio didn't just go through something where people themselves acted in bad faith over uh over this over their, their previous release. And so it is completely understandable that they would not want to entertain a game that is uh you know at least a year and a half out, possibly two and a half years out, where they want to deal with like uh, setting the table for that already, um, yep. and so that that's that's you know that that context is important for this developer specifically because they have uh, had that kind of. So I, I am sympathetic to that argument from their perspective, even if they didn't make it. I think it is implicit in the way the game was presented. Totally. Uh, and, and I want to be ultra clear here that there are situations in which someone, if someone says like, all right, so uh, no recordings of this, etc. You can do it for background, whatever. Uh, and then they, what they proceed to do is be like, so um, we think that black people are lesser and inferior. <laughs> and we also think that crunch is super good for the industry, actually. Uh, and uh, Trump, also Trump, 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 Trump. And also uh, I'm embezzling. All the money. <laughs> I drove here in a Ferrari today, which I embezzled from taking from the 401ks of our employees. Uh, like, there are times at which, like, real journalism does require you to step on some fucking toes and burn some yep. bridges. A hundred percent. And also fuck product marketing, right? Like, I, that, right. like I, I uh, historically in my uh, reporting past, I have not done a lot of, like, X game is in development because yeah. I, 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 I don't think you... I think it's totally uh, fair, um, uh, you know, sort of story to story. But generally, I have found that, like, I, I try to, you know, choose my battles over that stuff to be, like, stuff that I find to be, like, very useful to players from, like uh, – so, for example, like, the PlayStation 4 Pro. That right? is exactly like, I, the best example because I think, yeah, we're so the my, same my, there. my argument on putting that out there, other than on its face it was interesting that there was going to be a mid-generational yes. upgrade – um, I think that is is newsworthy in and of itself. But let's say you take that part out and go, well, they were going to announce it anyway. Um, like, why get in front of that? Well, uh, I think there is a completely credible argument to be made that if you – you might have questioned whether you were going to go out and buy which uh, – if you are going to go buy a PlayStation yep. 4, but in a couple of months a PlayStation 4 Pro was coming out. 100%. And you were willing to spend a little more money. Like, it is to the consumers – and this and I use consumer in a very specific, like, descriptor in this instance. That is – it is – uh, to their benefit to have that information up front in a way that betrays the product marketing but is better for like how they're going to spend their money. And so publishing that, yes, it was newsworthy and interesting from a historical perspective, but like I think bi- the, 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 the better argument is that actually it was useful for how people were going to spend their money even if it kind of stomped on their initial sort of like rollout plans. And like that's why I, I felt completely fine sort of spoiling that. Um, yeah. 
while at the same time being sympathetic to as someone that is a fan does like getting like going into a a press conference and like being surprised, surprised by yeah, things like yeah. I I do get that but I I think you have to look at it on a, on a sort of a story by story basis because I don't think it's it's one not true that you have to completely respect product marketing just because that's like the company's prerogative at the same time there are instances where like maybe it wasn't you know maybe like those developer I also am sympathetic to developers who are working really hard and have a specific way they want to roll out their game because they're excited to roll it out in a specific way and I'm not necessarily out there just to spoil everyone's plans just to be a spoil sport right 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 so yeah that is my that is our brief our brief diatribe our be our brief uh uh uh, detour into this subject. You know, which, you know what? I, I, I like Shane Satterfield and I like all the work yep. he's done in the past. So, but yep. this is just something that specifically I, in sure. the explanation for why this happened, like I, my name was invoked. And so yeah. I, I <laughs> took specific issue with it um, in having some of the, and I'm, it's, my work's not impeachable, you know, unimpeachable either, right? Up, like, 100%. Um, so I'm, I'm not trying to put myself on some sort of pedestal, but at the point where some of the work that I do is kind of like put alongside that. Like I would say specifically, like I wouldn't have made, I, I wouldn't have made that choice, especially the better argument for releasing that would have been, yo, CD project is lying about yeah. like, you're, there's something you're not understanding. 100%. 100%. And, if not, they, and if at that, that was... point, then, then it would have been like, look, like the, the journalists that are raving about this, like you, they're you are leaving not this thing out. Yeah. Right. Um, totally. and that, that's that. I think that's the, um, the argument for leaking it at that point because it's not just about uh, a back uh, back of the room smoking cigars sort of thing. <laughs> they closed the bar before five minutes before we got in there. We didn't even get our free beer. I didn't get a free. I, I had to take a, a warm soda that I found hidden. I, like, I, I, told, I, gotta... I told Austin, I was like, when I came to Witcher 3, they served you beer. I bet they're going to do that here too. And I got Austin all excited about I was it. Like, and man, we didn't get I our could go for a beer. beer. I'm not colluding with anybody. <laughs> I, they, they don't have no collusion, no Kahlua. You know? <laughs> Well, at least damn. we found the, the title of the episode. <laughs> there it is. Uh, all right. Um, do I take a very quick dip into the bucket? You want to save those for Friday? What do you want to do? Let's do. Let's do one. Let's do, let's do one. one. We, we said we were going to do thirty minutes. We're already at sixty minutes. We're we already might as at well sixty just minutes. Just so welcome question. to us. Welcome to us. Yep. Uh, all right. This one comes in, and this maybe I don't know if either of us will have an answer for it, but I think it's a it's a nice letter, so I wanted to share it. Yeah. Uh, this one comes in from Cameron, or, or sorry, this one comes in from Cosmo. Cameron Kunzelman. Cam- Cameron Kunzelman says, "I hate Mad Max." <laughs> uh, dear Waypoint, uh, I have recently uh, had a new experience with games in sharing Captain Spirit with my dad. He has always loved adventure games and enjoyed Life is Strange. When he got back to me, he said he understood why I liked Captain Spirit, but all he could feel was regret. I hadn't even thought of my childhood, where he stayed in my room drunk playing Mario Golf until 12 a.m., or his bouts of pancreatitis from the drinking. When I told him I was sorry, I hadn't meant that. He responded that it made him happy, because it means I might have forgiven him. This led to us talking about something we've always avoided. I just wonder if any of you had similar experiences sharing media with a parent or a partner, and how important telling stories like this is to facilitating those tough dialogues, which is a really great story. Uh, I really love that that this game could help bring that stuff together. Um, I'll say that I had a similar, a very brief but similar experience with a cousin of mine. One of my cousins... uh, um, uh, died by suicide a couple of years ago, um, which was really out of nowhere, uh, and it was really hard for the family. Um, and at the funeral, um, I, he was young. He was young. He was like, you know, just out of high school. 
um, and was someone who was dealing with depression but was not seeking treatment and did not I think a lot of people in the family had no idea. It's a, it's from my stepdad's side of the family and a very kind of traditional, like old school Italian family uh, that doesn't have, that has never been really open about those sorts of mental health issues. But his younger brother uh, and I ended up talking at the funeral. This is right after I, we launched, um, I think this was right after, hmm, it was either right before we launched Waypoint or right after... I think it was maybe like a year into me being a giant bomb, maybe, um, actually. Uh, uh, because I remember telling him I was thinking about going to Vice and blah, blah, blah. Um, in any case, he was like into games. They'd always, I'd always, I grew up playing games with them all the time. Uh, like the first time I played Smash was at their, was at their house, right? It was at their mom's house. Um, and he was like, oh, so what have you been playing recently? And I think it, I must have still been a giant bomb, actually, because we just finished doing Life is Strange. I was like, oh, I just finished Life is Strange. I really liked that. And he was like, yeah, it really helped me a lot. And it took me a second to realize what he meant. But then I remembered that one of the, I, I think the second episode deals with depression and suicide and, uh, you know, uh, suicidal ideation and, and stuff like that. And it was one of these moments where I realized... I was so grateful for that game to have tried to tackle that stuff. I don't think it does it perfectly by any means, but I think it does a really decent job of trying to present depression and suicidal ideation as this very complex and very human thing. Um, uh, the character who who is considering suicide uh, in that game is not treated as pathological. Like, there's nothing wrong with her. She isn't like a villain or uh, she isn't framed as being irresponsible or uh, as having, you know, considered or committed a sin or anything like that, you know? Um, and so it was one of those moments where he and I ended up bonding over that literally at the funeral for, um, for, for his, his brother. And that was like a really heavy thing, um, but a good one, a good thing to, to have had, had happened, you know? Uh, sorry to bring it down, Patrick. Do you have any experience with a partner or a parent uh, telling important stories via media? Not uh, nearly as heavy, but I, I do remember this instance when um, I was younger. Uh, uh, this is probably, hmm, I don't know what year it was, but um, my dad would always hang out in the back room of our house and he would watch football and sure. you know, TV by himself. And um, he would do a lot of work back there and it was uh, this is kind of like the spot that he hung out in. And um, I went back there one night. I think I was either back. I don't, I don't know if I was in college or if I had left at that point. But anyway, uh, I uh, we were just looking for something to watch. And, uh, you know, HBO, like, does, like, these, you know, sort of, like, political adaptations, like, every couple of years. And they did one called The Special Relationship, which is about, like, you know, the, the U.S. and the U.K. And it was right, uh, right, right. specifically about, um, like, the post-9-11 stuff. And... Um, or no, actually that one was, I think that was a Bill Clinton one and I can't remember, but anyway, like we just put that on cause it was something to put on right. and like actually got us to talk like even vaguely about politics. Like right. was not even like I was very early and sort of like becoming sort of like politically aware, even thinking that like politics was something other than just like something you saw on the news, like right. having opinions. And I, I don't remember any grand takeaways we had. It was more just, I'd never heard 
my dad even touch on anything like that. And so like that was a moment where like a piece of media like actually gave us uh, a window uh, or sort of like an opening into yes. talking about something that like otherwise just never would have come up. There's like right. no no world where we're going to be sitting around the table and uh, <laughs> that's just going to be something unless there was some major event in the news or something that like prompted people to have to discuss it. And even then you'd be talking around it in some way. Um, and, and so that was like something I appreciated. It was like an opportunity to – that I didn't really understand at the time. I really hadn't thought about it too much until like this question came up and I was like scratching my head at like maybe instances like that. And like, that's, that's one of those that I, I deeply appreciated where a piece of media was able to act as, and the movie wasn't even that good, but right. it, like, acted but it as, opened like, an opportunity. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. I think that's a, a great thing that media can do. You know, I, I, uh, I grew up watching movies and TV shows and listening to music with my parents, and it has always been such a cornerstone of my relationship with with all of them, with everybody in my in my in my you know immediate family. Um, for that reason, where we do end up talking about about things you wouldn't otherwise, and that's that's a huge part of what has you know helped me become a critic and think about the world and all that stuff. And I'm really thankful for that because you know I, I definitely there are parts there are other people in my in my extended family and I have friends who like don't have any conversations with their parents about the world or about their feelings or whatever. I'm very lucky to have that relationship with them and, and I, I take it, take it pretty seriously. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. And I will say, uh, I wrote a, a review of uh, Captain Spirit last week on the site, right. which is a, a very uh, personal reaction. Like, ah, oh, shack and all. Like there's a story about like parents of kids and Patrick, and Patrick has a hot fucking take on it. Um, but uh, you know, that is, that is the world that, that, that I live in. And um, uh, that, I, I I think Captain Spirit is like truly exceptional. I think it's actually like really really well done. Like I think they've learned a lot of lessons in and how they like tiptoe, not even tiptoe, like just go into like subjects that other games just t- t- either don't have the courage to or um I I think actually a lot of it is the courage to because it's easy to fuck up and Life is Strange does fuck it up, but I think part of the reason people appreciate the series and and sometimes give it a pass on the parts that it does get wrong are because it's making like a good faith effort to tell stories that lots of other games are um, not even treading in. Um, certainly at the fidelity and the and like the sort of like technical aesthetic that that Life is Strange um, is granted by virtue of like the way it's it's crafted. Like I, there are all sorts of twine and, and other games that are you know have have talked about all sorts of serious issues that that you know AAA games um, you know have have slowly uh, found ways to. Uh, to incorporate, but I, uh, if you bounced off Life is Strange, uh, even if you aren't interested in Life is Strange 2, I think Captain Spirit is a very, very good, self-contained, um, little, little story, um, that is, like, like, charming and funny and interesting and tragic, and, uh, it does make me very excited to see what they end up doing with the second one, because they seem to have learned a lot of really meaningful lessons from, from the first one. Right. Totally. Totally. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us today. Patrick, where can people follow you on the internet? Follow me, at Patrick Klepek. Follow me at Austin underscore Walker. You can follow everything Waypoint does, Twitter.com slash Waypoint, Facebook.com slash Waypoint Vice, YouTube.com slash Waypoint Vice, and uh, all of our live streams over at Twitch.tv slash Waypoint. Hey, by the way, if all you do is listen to this podcast and you think, I love it when they talk about things that have nothing to do about video games, I'd love to hear the Waypoint crew debate, for instance, whether or not sauce is a food, then you should head over to our YouTube and over to our Twitch. You know, I no. make I make I think a strong case. Uh, and look up the the recent series we started doing on Twitch called Hot Mike Mondays. Again, the archives have been going up over on YouTube pretty in a pretty timely fashion. Uh, it's kind of a morning show. It's kind of a like, hey, I'm going to check my mail and answer some questions from the from the chat, uh, and we're going to end up 
looking at Twitter and then getting into an hour-long debate about what sauce is. Sauce of food? It could be. It could be. Is it a food? Is it not a food? I don't know. You'll have to listen to the to the episode and find out. Okay. We're trying to figure out a way to get audio to y'all on that. It's a bandwidth thing in, in terms of uh, not a internet bandwidth thing. Uh, like uh, There's only seven days in the week, only five work days in the week, and we're doing our best not to push ourselves and crunch uh, ever uh, <laughs> this year. Yeah. Um, and so that stuff hasn't happened quite yet, but we're going to figure out either a super cut format or something else to, to make sure that that audio does find its way to y'all. To, to, to y'all. Uh, it's a matter of just figuring out what the easiest way for that to be is. Um, but so go check that out because we do a lot of, we watched some Disney cartoon intros. We had another, we, we tried to name every Lay's product snack food that there is. Uh, it's been a really fun, Joel brought a PowerPoint presentation one day to defend his, his, honor his screamo honor it was a whole thing mm. <laughs> in any case go check okay. that stuff out uh it's been fun as always shout out to bowen for letting us use the track miss you off the ep panel machine find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash b-o-e-n we will be back on friday for another episode i won't be actually we won't be patrick no Rob but Danielle will be. will be and natalie maybe will be back to to talk to y'all about some video games probably or who knows we'll see i don't i'm not going to write the future for them they can figure out what they want to talk about it'll be fun uh, all right, everybody, it's going to do it for us. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.